Hello there, I'm Mary Fran Johnson, and welcome to Tech Career Ladder. our second episode of Tech Career Ladder, which focuses on practical ideas, advice, and guidance for technology professionals at all levels in the IT organization. Before we get started, I'd like to remind our audience that our show is brought to you by Insider Pro, IDG's new premium content website, which features in-depth technology journalism, hands-on guides, career advice, and more. Listeners to this podcast can get the promo code PRO30, P-R-O-30, for a 30% discount off an Insider Pro subscription. In this episode today, I'm talking with Ryan Halverson, a leadership and career coach who I was fortunate enough to meet this past fall when we were both starting our own consulting companies. As someone who interviews people for a living, I was delighted to meet someone who asks such great questions the kind of insightful questions that make you stop and think about what you're doing and what you're feeling about it. Living as we all are today, in times of such great uncertainty and volatility and change, I wanted to share what some of his coaching clients call the Ryan Effect with all of you. Let me give you first a quick rundown of his background. Ryan has more than 10 years of experience coaching, consulting, and managing transformational change initiatives across a variety of industries. He's worked in healthcare and financial services, insurance, technology, and nonprofits. Before starting the Ryan Halverson Company in January, he served as a senior director with McKesson Corporation, the Fortune 500 global healthcare and medical supply company, where he worked as an internal executive coach. Before that, he led eight HR functions at a private equity-backed asset management company and also held numerous HR roles at Genworth Financial and General Electric. Ryan's coaching work runs the gamut from developing leaders and high-potential employees to helping new managers who may just be struggling to adjust to their roles. I especially like his philosophy about how just one insight, one shift in the way that you may be thinking can change the way you see the world. Ryan, welcome to Tech Career Ladder. Thanks for making the time to join us today. Thank you, Mary Fran. It's great to be with you. Great. Let's let's jump in and begin by acknowledging the elephant in the room with us, the one that has most of us working from home today. We're recording this interview on April 1st, just a few weeks into the global COVID-19 virus pandemic. Let's start out by talking about how are you and your clients doing as we're all adjusting to this new normal? What are you hearing as one of the biggest issues from people these days? Well, thanks for asking. Um, so I think like most of us, right, um, myself, my family, my clients, the people I, I speak with day in and day out, would say right now, uh, we are all coming back from what I call the punch in the face. I think early March and through those first couple of weeks when schools were being shut down and sports were being closed and everyone was really taking the necessary reactions to sort of stave off the COVID uh, pandemic. Uh, but that was a big shock to everyone's system. And so what I'm noticing is that that major shock to our systems and just how we work and how we live and what we do day in and day out is beginning to feel like the quote unquote, new normal. Now, mm -hmm. I recognize that not everyone has gone through that yet. Uh, many people are still experiencing that, but 
would say that um, that moment is beginning to pass. And some of the things I've, as I meet with people and talk with people, uh, there's some really interesting trends that I'm noticing. One is it's not all negative. Certainly there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of anxiety. Uh, people's lives have been disrupted. Uh, there's been some significant shifts in, in you know, industries and companies. Yeah. Um, but also for many people, especially for those who have been asked to work from home, this has been a, in, a, in, in a way kind of a nice time to reconnect with family, uh, to in some cases slow down. Many people uh, take long commutes. They don't have to have be on long commutes as much as they used to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's some sweet spots uh, amidst all of the, uh, the difficulties as well. Yeah, it's like all of a sudden you get this new portion of a certain amount of freedom to determine how you are managing your day, which to a yeah. lot of people probably is quite new. Yeah, I think that's very, very new. Um, I also think one of the things, the, the issues that are coming up for people is that ultimately this is, it is challenging everyone's level of preparedness and strength emotionally and mentally, and in some cases, even physically. Mm-hmm. And um, I was talking with someone recently and I had sort of use the analogy of of a marathon and where a few weeks ago a lot of people were like okay well this is going to be just a 5k sprint so off we go we're going to make all these adjustments and then as the weeks go by i think people are coming to the close of that 5k and they're realizing it's a 10k and they make it down to the end of that 10k and it's like oh it's a half marathon actually no it's a marathon and it may be even an ultra marathon and so i think part of the uncertainty is we don't really know when it ends and we don't know how we are going to come back to some new normal. And that, that is creating um, some, you know, quite a bit of anxiety and uncertainty for folks. Yeah. Well, and the kind of stress that people feel from that um, probably layers on to stresses that they already had in their lives. Um, And that must, that must turn up in the kind of things that you'd want to talk to a leadership coach about. I know that that you mentioned when we, we talked earlier that it can be difficult to get your bearings. You know, like how does a how does a leadership coach help someone who is just feeling all kind of all out of sorts with everything? You know, my whole routine has been disrupted and now I'm working in a whole different fashion with a bunch of different people in different ways. Um, what are some of those kind of settling questions that you might have people ask themselves? Yeah. Well, first of all, I think the good news is that you're not alone. So most of the globe is experiencing it. I think there's some, in some ways, kind of a cold comfort or even more of this kind mm-hmm. of a warm embrace of empathy that a lot of people are experiencing the same thing. Um, yeah. So when I do my job really, really well, my job is to ask really good questions to help others come to their own insights. And I recognize that for your listeners, I'm not sitting there one-on-one with them to ask questions. But one of the things that I would, in the general bucket, I would begin to start asking new or different questions about your situation. So Mm -hmm. when this first came out and people started reacting to it, our normal questions really come from what our brains are normally attuned to, which is a threat response. 
how do I protect myself? How do I keep myself safe? How do I keep my loved ones safe? And those mm-hmm. are great. And the questions there might generally be something like, well, what's the most important thing to do now? Maybe I have to go to the grocery store and stockpile on toilet paper. Um, what do I need to do today in terms of I got to get systems up online. I get people to service so they can start working from home. Mm-hmm. Uh, we start thinking about, well, what risks exist and how do we minimize those? And those that are appropriate response. I think now as we begin to shift, as time has now passed, a little bit of time has passed, I would advise that there are, in the general bucket, other questions you could begin to ask. Things Mm -hmm. like, okay, so from an opportunity perspective, what's the best use of me, of my team, of our budget, of where we spend our time? And begin to identify Mm -hmm. opportunities within a narrow landscape. I think also the other thing is to also open up the opportunity lens from what's possible. So begin to expand and ask questions, you know, what else could we do? What mm-hmm. else haven't we tried? What else might we be able to push now that people are far more adapting to change than they ever have been? And then when you think about going back to that threat response again, there's also benefit to even thinking about, even though it might be challenging or hard to go there, is to actually expand on the threats themselves that may be may not yet have presented. I know my wife and I did this a few uh, few weeks ago. We really took it, uh, I'm not naive. There's a lot of people struggling out there. I run my own business. My, my wife works in fundraising. We have three kids at home. So there are some real risks. Um, I remain optimistic, but one of the things we talked about was, okay, well, what else could go wrong? Um, yeah. What if she lost her job? Mm-hmm. What if there were an earthquake? I live in earthquake country. Mm-hmm. And so that actually can be really helpful because it's a bit of a scenario planning of the what if. And once you've talked about the what if in a way from a safe perspective, if they were to have emerged, they're not as shocking because it's something at least mentally prepared for or thought well, about. That's, that's interesting too, because I would just as a lay person, I would think that um, that ruminating or talking about what if scenarios would ramp up your stress rather than help you with ways to de-escalate the stress. It it certainly can, um, but because you're coming at, I mean, if you're already really stressed out, that's not the time. If you've calmed down, yes. then right. you can engage from a from a perspective of safety and security. You know, do mm-hmm. it after you know having a nice meal. You know have a drink or two and then ask those questions and then it will allow you to approach that from a safer, more secure place. Yes. Well, and you wrote about, uh, you wrote similar things about this. You had a posting uh, that I liked a lot on LinkedIn where you basically were kind of walking people through a a sort of step-by-step about here's how to to take on the next decision and here's what you should think about next. And that the minute the brain starts thinking through different solutions, it has kind of a calming effect on the nervous system in general. That's right. That's right. So one of the things that I know you do in your your day-to-day life when it's not being disrupted by crises, that you help a lot of executives think through not only their big their management approaches to big change going on, but also their own internal attitudes. Something this was a term that I, I pretty much learned about and discussed the first time when you and I started talking last fall about limiting beliefs. 
explain to our listeners, what do you mean by a limiting belief? And how do we figure out ways to recognize those when we're having them and then maybe do something about it? Yeah. So I'll, I'll define a limiting belief and just my own view is just the stories we tell about how we make sense of our world. It's the it's our perspective, it's our prevailing worldview of how we see things. Um, an example might be in the tech world that a prevailing belief is that in order to collaborate effectively, we need to be in the same space, we mm-hmm. need to be face-to-face in an open office environment. Well, that wow. belief now has to be challenged, not, not least of which we're being forced to be working on a Zoom call or virtually or on a conference call from our home or apartment. And so the the limiting beliefs are really the things that keep us back simply based on the stories or the narratives we've always told our, ourselves about what's possible. Yeah. Um, it's the assumptions that we tell ourselves about, well, that would never happen. Whether it's a bad thing that could never happen or even <clears throat> something a positive that we think would never happen or that would never mm-hmm. happen to me. Uh, well, that's really what I mean by limiting beliefs. Okay. Well, and one of the points you made in the, the, the article you posted on LinkedIn, you talked about how times of change and disruption are a great opportunity to, to create new habits. Have you, been, have you been encountering that when you've been talking with clients? Are there ways that, you're, that, that leaders or that technology people should be thinking about some of these new habits they could be creating? It seems like a really positive yeah. activity to engage in these days. Yeah, very actively. And, you know, most of our behavior, about 40 to 50% of our behavior on a normal day is habitual. We don't think about it. And um, when our routines and our lives are disrupted, and this can even happen when you go on vacation, you're in a mm-hmm. different location and you're not doing your normal and you begin to stop doing things that you probably should have continue to do, like eat healthy or exercise or sleep well. That can happen on a weekend. And it certainly happens at a time that we've all just experienced where everything has shifted, everything has been disrupted. But there are still natural routines in your day where you can actually take this opportunity. You don't have to go and revert back to, oh my gosh, everything's different. I'm just going to revert back to old patterns or behaviors Mm -hmm. or unhealthy patterns or behavior. That is certainly a common or a reactive response. But there's also this great choice you can make to say, what an opportunity presented to challenge myself to think differently and maybe put in a new practice. Um, Mm -hmm. One of the things that I'm most excited about is some of the work that I've been uh, doing um, with a a gentleman by the name of BJ Fogg, who's a behavioral scientist out of Stanford. And he has a method called Tiny Habits. And I've been working a lot with uh, with my clients to really anchor in to a, a normal routine in their day, like waking up, brushing mm-hmm. their teeth, going to the bathroom, right? You're never going to stop doing those things right. and attaching positive behaviors that are attached to an aspiration. Like I want to lose weight or I want to stay happy or I want to not feel as, you know, I want to reduce stress in my life. All of those mm-hmm. things can be anchored into some normal routines, no matter what's happening. Yeah. Well, that's one of the things that uh, you said when we were talking about this earlier, 
Um, you mentioned that one of the challenges that especially technology departments and their leaders may be having is the expectation that the new normal will at some point go back to the old normal and that everybody yeah. may be a little surprised by the fact that the new normal is actually appealing to a lot. And especially, you mentioned, you said this this could be a happy field day for introverts. And I especially alerted on that one because probably something like 95 plus percent of technology people are fundamentally kind of deep thinkers and smart introverts. And uh, so talk a little bit about that, about the bigger question about the way we collaborate and also uh, the way companies should be thinking through now how everybody's not going to want to rush back to the old normal. Yeah. So again, going back to two concepts we've just talked about, which is this sort of this marathon effect, right? When If you've ever yeah. watched a marathon, if you've ever participated in a marathon, you know that there are people that are way out in front. There's a pack of people in the middle and there's people way behind. And yeah. then we also have these ideas, these what I would call limiting belief or just assumptions that we're going to make. And so in many cases, there's been assumptions that, that have been promulgated even in the media that this is going to be a quick rebound. And people yeah, are going yeah, to go yeah. back to work and then a couple of weeks. And we can all hope that that's the case. Even when that happens and everyone gets the all clear that it's safe to go back to work, companies should begin thinking about now, what does that really look like in reality? Because mm -hmm. while the all clear may have occurred, psychologically, there may be lots of people who are not ready to return. They may still have a fear of using public transit. They don't mm -hmm. want to get into a, 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 a crowded public place for fear right. this thing's not over. I haven't been immunized. I haven't had it myself. I haven't developed the antibodies. So yeah. there's going to be a response that people are going to have when that all clear comes. And so it's a great time to challenge what are your assumptions that you're making about this all clear yeah. and really be asking questions. When should people be coming back? Who are the first people who should be coming back? Who mm -hmm. might expect not to come back? We might have parents who, for example, my children, it's not likely that they're going to go back to school until August. And so even if mm -hmm. we had an all clear and everyone is going to go back to work in, say, May, well, there may be obligations that can't be unwound easily for working parents um, that have children who are now and still at home. And so there's okay. going to be there's going to have to be a need for really asking the question, what does this look like coming back? And it is not going to look like it did when it stopped. Yes. Well, and I thought that that was a really great piece of advice when you you had said that managers and, and leaders and whatever kind of position you're in in the IT organization, that waiting to talk about all this until the all clear signal sounds, whenever that does, that that's not a great strategy for right now. That's kind of blocking off a whole line of creative thinking. That's right. Because yep. no one can predictably say this is when the all clear is going to come, right now everyone's guessing. It's a yeah. perfect time to start asking the questions, what happens when? So that you, you run through a variety of scenarios of possibilities, and then based on those scenarios, what kind of services, what kind of apps, what would we need to develop from a software perspective? What kind of connectivity would we need to have support? What are our management systems going to look like if it's a little uneven, uh, where you have some people in the office and some people not in the office? Mm-hmm. 
Well, and the I think a lot of people tend to just put off any kind of real discussions about, especially about managing change, until they feel more certain about what the change is going to be. Uh, and I know that I think CIOs and IT leaders in general are, um, I, I don't want to say guilty of it, but essentially they like to know exactly what they're talking about before they have the discussions. So um, how would you counsel clients who are saying, well, we don't want to talk about this right now because we don't have enough information? <laughs> what, what are, it, that may be one of their limiting beliefs, that they need yeah. a whole list of really clear, you know, they're, they're planners, they're project managers, and they, yep. they like yep. having a clear map to where they're going. And when you don't have that clear map, um, how do you kind of, how do you psych yourself out of that particular limiting belief that there's a whole new way to talk about things when you don't have a complete map in front of you? Yeah. Well, I think that's, that's certainly a reality. And um, I, my own position on this, my challenge to any leader listening is, you know, COVID is novel and it's a, a period of time where we're all experiencing uncertainty and volatility. And while we could point to COVID and say, wow, that's really unique, that experience of not knowing, that experience of moving quickly in an environment where you don't have all the information, where you're being asked to make decisions in an environment where it's really ambiguous, that is leadership. Mm -hmm. Leadership isn't necessarily just running everything when, it's, when times are smooth and easy. And I think that's the leadership call for the 21st century. If there's one macro trend that I see for leaders or aspiring leaders is the ability to manage and lead through volatility, uncertainty, the complexity and ambiguity that is emerging in the 21st century. Yeah. Now, having said that, there is, I'm fond of a saying that the right conversation in the wrong mood or at the wrong time is the wrong conversation. And so it's really finding the opening for when to have those conversations, either with your leaders or with your team. And sometimes that just requires getting people into a different mindset, setting up a meeting yeah. where you actually, they feel safe and secure to have those conversations. Um, yeah versus, hey, we have so many things to do. Let's just keep busy. Let's keep busy. In a lot of senses, staying busy is a form of procrastination and a form of procrastination that is rooted in fear. So a lot of times we like to just stay really, 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 really busy, focus on all the things that are in front of us without thinking about tomorrow or a week from now or a month from now or six months from now, because yeah. it gives us this comfort for not having to face into the fear of, I don't know. <laughs> that is so true. And I know you and I have talked about that a number of times, because when you're starting up your own business, you're doing, there's a whole, whole bunch of things you can do to stay busy, but you don't have anyone else doing the strategic looking ahead planning for you. Um, and there may be a lot of um, outfall from this whole working from home and this whole thinking about your life and how you're constructing it differently, there may be a lot more people that decide to go out on their own. I mean, there's, there could be a whole shift in the, the availability of technology talent that could come out of this. And it just, and as you know, as you say, it might not happen that way, but talking about it kind of starts to put some ideas around it when the, when those ideas start to surface. 
Um, and that would yeah. be another, I would think that would be another form of kind of positive preparedness that IT people could be thinking about. I certainly see it that way. I think asking new and different questions is a way yes. to actually help people see and think differently. Um, yes. and, and the other thing is, when you ask those questions, really smart people love to fall in, fall in love with their first ideas or their first suggestions. And mm. I'll just say, most when you have those conversations, most of your first thoughts are usually not the best. Uh, don't fall yes. in love with your first idea. Um, but do take opportunities mm-hmm. and come back to those questions over time. You don't yes. have to solve it the moment you ask those questions. So let's go back to the question, what do we do when all clear is given and we're going to open up the doors? There's this ribbon you know, cutting, which is obviously not going to happen, but that we expect right. this rush of people to come back in. You can start asking that question now over the next several weeks. When new information comes, you'll see the you'll see the, the, the answers to that question will emerge differently. It's like reading the same book at a different period yeah. of time and coming with different insights. We're never the same learner twice. That is a great point. Um, one of the coaching ideas that I've enjoyed so much in our conversations is around your one drop of water philosophy. And I know that anyone who goes to your website or, or connects with you on LinkedIn will see that beautiful photo of the, the one drop of water striking and how the ripple effect that can be caused by a single new action or behavior can have a change in the results you're experiencing. That, talk about that a little bit. I know that's something that developed a lot out of all your leadership coaching work over the last decade. Um, how did you come to the one drop of water? So I'm a hobbyist photographer. Probably 10 or 11 years ago, I was uh, shooting with a friend of mine, and we started challenging ourselves to do different types of photography. And one of them was actually capturing in the moment the when the water when a drop of water hits the water. And I I was really struck by the beauty and the pattern that emerged when a single drop of water hit. There's this crowning effect. It, it, you've seen it, you, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what I think is magical about that is it relates to leadership. It's human behavior. Is it That single drop of water to me really just represents I, my reality, the way I see my, the wor- my worldview has shifted. And mm-hmm. when it shifts, then I can take a different action, and that's going to have a ripple effect on everything else. And a, a small change in the system can change the whole system. Uh, it can change the system how you see things, how you see yourself, how you show up in the world, and that in turn yeah. can have a, a net positive. And so for me, that's the foundation from which I like to coach. I think each one of us is extraordinarily competent and has gifts if they can be expressed in the right environment. And so tapping into Mm -hmm. those little insights that bring out the very best of people, I think can just Mm -hmm. have wonderful, um, uh, just a cycle of virtue that can extend not only to themselves, but everything that they're trying to impact. Yeah. Well, I love that. I love that whole philosophy because it plays into uh, something that I think people understand and realize deep down that there is something unique about them. And they may have, I mean, they may have the same job title as 17 other people in their company, but they're bringing something that's just um, more uniquely them to it. Um, and I just, well, and that's another reason, another thing that I love about um, 
just, well, platforms like LinkedIn and the ability to stay connected. And um, I, I think for extroverts like myself, speaking for my people, um, I keep getting notes from people saying, how are you doing? Are you okay? You know, the notion that extroverts are having an especially hard time on having to be socially distant from people. But one of the points you've made when we've talked is that, you know, staying connected and why it can be especially important now, not just for my people, the extroverts, but even for introverts as well. Let's, uh, we'll kind of wrap up what we're talking about today with a little bit of a discussion around that, about the connectivity and the way you maintain your relationships. What kind of things are you seeing from your clients? What sort of things are you recommending to people as a leadership coach? Like, don't let this habit fall by the wayside. Yeah. First of all, I, I think we've, we've, we've done a lot of good things, uh, made some great strides. But one of the things where I think we really failed is this, uh, this, the wording social distancing is not something I think is accurate. It's physical Isn't it awful? distancing. Yeah. It's physical. And mm -hmm. the socially, the social connection couldn't be more important at this point in time. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, we tend to be so busy in our lives that we kind of ignore relationships. Um, mm -hmm. And so my advice to my clients is find, and I've even done this myself, if someone's name pops up into your mind, write it mm -hmm. down. If you don't have a minute right then, Find a moment in your day to send that person a text, send them a message, email them, even if it's someone you haven't talked to in 15 years, which I've done recently. I've gotten connected with people I haven't talked to in 20 plus years. And those wow. have been really rich opportunities just to catch up. And it doesn't all have to be, well, how are you dealing with COVID? I like to start the conversation, we're all dealing with COVID, we'll get to that. But tell me about what's been happening with you pre-COVID. Good for you. And for IT professionals, yeah. it could be a great conversation of if, you, if you're in the same industry, if you're in the same type of, uh, of role, how is your company handling this? What are you seeing in the future? Some of the mm -hmm. questions you might be wrestling with, they might be wrestling with, and it can be a great collaborative moment. But do not, do not pass on the opportunity for social connection. Make a list of people that you haven't talked to in a while that you think would be fun just to learn how they're handling what they're experiencing. Yeah. Um, that is a great, I, I, no one likes the word networking, but make sure mm -hmm. that you stay connected in relationship building and relationship maintaining through this time. Yes, well, and I agree with you on all those word choices. I think social distancing should be called physical distancing. And I think networking should all, always be called connecting. And I thought of this yesterday. I just got a, I got a phone call out of the blue. My cell phone rang, and it was someone who I know through one of the professional IT associations. And and I and, you know and I answered it thinking, oh, I wonder what she wants, you know, because usually this person calls me because she's asking me to do something. And she was just calling to say, I was just thinking about you and wondered how you're doing, how's everything. And and it was just so lovely. And it was just this, you know, how's everything going in your world is one of my favorite questions to shoot back at people. And it just, it really, it was a very big bright spot in the day because it wasn't somebody reaching out saying, I want something, I need something. It was just, I was just thinking of you, how are you doing? And I thought that, I thought that was quite wonderful. All right. So any, as we wrap up here, any final brilliant bits of the Ryan effect that we should be passing along to our listeners today about how they should be thinking about, you know, the next couple of weeks as, as we're working through this. Um, I, I would, uh, I would say 
be asking yourself questions. Um, mm -hmm. Are you getting outside? Are you mm -hmm. walking? Are you biking? Are you getting uninterrupted sunlight for 20 minutes a day and getting some vitamin D? Yeah. Um, are you actively connecting with people versus passively connecting, meaning passively connecting with Netflix or binge watching something? Mm -hmm. um, you know, my, my main question I would ask um, is, you know, who do you want to be at the outcome or the end result of this COVID crisis? Who will you be yeah. in three months, six months, nine months? And what are you doing? What can you do today that will positively move yourself towards that, that aspiration that you have? But ultimately, well, I, I would just leave with your listeners, just look where you've come from in the last month and what is possible. Um, mm -hmm. I would just say that um, you're, you may be feeling in, insecure. You may be worried about losing your job. You may have lost your job. There may be a whole group of things that you never want to have, have happen, but happen. Mm -hmm. But the, by the fact that you're listening to this podcast, uh, your, your resiliency and your ability to manage and adapt to change is better than you expected. Yeah. And take that strength into whatever's going to happen next that very few of us can predict. But you're stronger and you're better and you're more prepared for that next thing, even if it yeah. doesn't feel like it. Well, let's say that's a wonderful just general leadership coaching question, isn't it? What do you, how do you envision this outcome? What do you want to be at the end result of this? That thinking ahead to what your goals are, that question doesn't lose any of its power, even in times of great crisis. In fact, it's probably a better time to ask it, isn't it? Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today for this podcast, Ryan. It was great to have your ideas and your advice about how working at home and this new normal is likely to affect us all moving forward. I really enjoyed you sharing your thoughts on how we collaborate and work together and how in the future that may change, but there's lots of great questions to ask yourself about that. And then finally, that whole idea about overcoming your own limiting beliefs. And don't, don't believe the first thing that you're thinking uh, in answer to any of these questions. Ryan, if any of our listeners want to reach out to you after this podcast, what are the best ways to connect with Ryan Halverson Company? They can reach me at ryan at ryanhalverson.com, or they can visit me on my website, ryanhalverson.com. And I would just offer to any listener, um, you know, at this unique period of time, I'm offering just a, 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 a chat with them if they're interested in talking about how to create a positive or grounding habit as they go through this period of uncertainty and this unique period of time in their life. Uh, please reach out if that's of, of interest to you. Terrific. Thank you, Ryan. You've been listening to Tech Career Ladder, brought to you by Insider Pro, IDG's new premium content site, which features in-depth technology journalism, hands-on guides, career advice, and more. Again, I'd like to remind our listeners they can use the promo code PRO30 for a 30% discount off a subscription. I'm Mary Fran Johnson, and I thank you so much for listening today. This podcast is produced by IDG Communications Incorporated.